0: We're going to dive right into our teaching today. Uh, If you brought your Bibles and you want to follow along, we'll be in Psalm 91. Psalm 91. But if you forgot your Bible, you can probably use your phone or it will also be on the screen. Let's read it together. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High... We'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, If you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. The word of the Lord, Psalm 91. Are you familiar with it? So in our uh, teaching series, a season of psalm, we've been looking at psalms each and every week, and, and I asked, uh, I sent out an email to the church and invited uh, people to share with me maybe what their favorite psalms, uh, psalms maybe they'd like to hear a teaching on, and this psalm actually came back, and, and now I know why I'd never ask people to give me their psalms again, <laughs> um, because this is a tough one. Uh I've got a question for you maybe uh maybe for some of you uh you've seen your adults in this room uh maybe uh some of you have been around the block a couple of times. Have we as a people as a culture always been so fearful? What do you guys think like it, has it always been like this like I I see maybe, and maybe it's just me, but I see an undercurrent of fear and stress and worry and anxiety in our world that's just kind of there. And my question to you is, those of you who have been around a, a, a little bit, like, has it always been that way? I used to hear, um, as as a pastor and meeting with people and talking with people and praying with people, the the word that I heard the most for for at least a good couple of years uh, over the past previous years has been the word overwhelmed. That's the word. I'm just pastor. I'm just overwhelmed. You know, like I I would hear this every. You know, didn't matter who I was meeting with. This was the word. And now that. That word overwhelmed has really given way to a new word, and the new word is anxiety. Pastor, I'm anxious. I saw this, uh, and um, as we were talking about anxiety, I thought this was appropriate. What if nobody likes me? What if I... Taste weird. What if I'm too cold? What if I'm too hot? What if I'm just right, and I can never live up to it again? Are we more or less anxious as a people? And I, I see, I see anxiety as the is the the kind of undercurrent of of a bunch of things of. Of uh, uh, I watched this whole thing about a uh, uh, identity theft and the the whole Equifax thing and the 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 loss of everybody's identity and now so we're all anxious our identity is going to be be stolen or we're anxious about retirement or we're anxious about health care or we're anxious about North Korea and politics we're anxious about the weather and and now do you know what's what's what, what really kind of clued me into the anxiety in our world is that our teenagers and our kids are anxious. Have you seen this? Even, even my daughter in elementary age, they talk about anxiety and feeling anxious. Where does that anxiety come from? And what do we do about it. Do you, do any of you have a um, a lucky charm? Sometimes people carry a, a coin uh, that that has a special date on it that that's kind of a kind of a lucky symbol. Maybe uh, maybe you've seen people. Uh, um, uh, uh, sometimes people put horseshoes in, in your house. Like, have you seen this? Like, so sometimes like, and and I think like the horseshoe has to be open to the top to catch. All the luck, like this, this I'm, I'm doing all this. Um, when I was a kid, the, if you had a, a lucky charmer, or, or like maybe a four-leaf clover, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I've, got my, I've got my luck. Uh, the, when I was growing up, uh, the, lucky, the, the thing to have for good luck was a lucky rabbit's foot, which seems inherently unlucky for rabbits everywhere. Have you seen these things? Like I, I was, I was checking this out. You can still order. I don't know how, like PETA and like with with our like our animal-friendly world. I don't know how this is still a thing, but this is a thing. You can still go on Amazon and order lucky rabbit's feet, and they'll even dye them to whatever color you want. And and I don't know the etymology of how did a rabbit's foot become lucky, but it it you know that's kind of one of those things. Uh. It's funny how we will hold on to stuff to kind of prevent bad things and and usher in good things. And this psalm, Psalm 91, has been used as as a kind of lucky charm. Even uh, Even some of the church fathers talked about this psalm would be written really, really small and placed into an amulet or a necklace and would be worn around the neck to kind of ward off evil and bad things and if you look at the psalm like, like it seems pretty perfect for that it says rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease it's it talks about armor and protection and uh, in one sense it, it uses contrasting metaphors for this protection in one sense it says the lord is our fortress and it's impregnable and masculine and filled with strong walls and shields and ramparts. But the Lord is also our, in, in the exact same breath, the Lord is our chicken, our mother hen, right? Who cradles us. We don't talk a lot about the feminine aspects of God, but the, the, here's a clear picture of a hen gathering chicks underneath her wings. So the strength of a, of a feather or a wing contrasted with the strength of a fortress and a a a castle wall you get these different images of of god and his protection and and they're they're actually multiple stories of 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 hens who have covered their chicks with their wings in a fire and the hen died but the chick survived Psalm 91 talks about protection from terrors and arrows. Uh, It even says that you'll be able to uh, be in the face of lions and cobras, disasters of all kind, And, and you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. It says, with God, you can go through life without fear or worry or doubt or suffering or pain. And that's awesome Except for some of you, even as we talked about this psalm as a staff this week, for some of our staff, this was a really hard psalm to read. Because seemingly it says that, hey, if you trust in the promises of God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. And sometimes we read this, and people think, man, my lucky rabbit's foot must not be working. Because you can look back over your life and, and remember moments where maybe you've had this experience where you've seen a super faithful relative or, or, or someone you know who is an incredible believer who suffered they suffered a, a long and painful death of cancer. Maybe somebody you know who is super faithful has had a miscarriage or an accident. Maybe you've had that experience where you've said a prayer again and again and again, and at least up to this point, it has gone unanswered. What do we do when, when we have felt Unprotected. What do we do when when Christians have been trapped or, or faced disaster or disease or seen suffering, death, and evil firsthand? For those of us who are suffering, and I know that I know because I love you and I know what's going on in some of your lives, I know right now some of you are in a place of suffering. And to read Psalm 91 feels like almost like a slap in the face. You want to say, where is the most high the almighty where Where was the most high the Almighty the Lord when I needed him? man, my amulet must my amulet must be broken. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> Something's not working right and and if I'm suffering, does that mean that that somehow maybe God is not not hearing me or or does that mean that God's promises have failed? See why Psalm 91 is deep waters. In Matthew, one of my favorite stories, Jesus is is baptized by John the Baptist and as he comes out of the water, the, I don't know if you remember this scene, the clouds part and the spirit of God like a dove descends. And, and God says of Jesus, and he proclaims it to the whole world, he says, this is my what? Son. And him, I'm I'm well pleased. And immediately after his baptism, at least as Matthew records it, Jesus enters into a desert time. The desert was there, or the wilderness is a place that you would go to seek God. It was a place of, of testing and prayer and meditation. It says that, that Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's, he's in the wilderness a long time. And when he's in the wilderness, who shows up? Jesus goes to the wilderness to meet who? And who shows up? He goes to me, God. And Satan shows up, and Satan has three tests for Jesus. If you remember correctly, like it is a test of Jesus' sonship. It's a test of what, when the dove and the Spirit of God descends, like uh, out of the clouds, the Spirit of God says, This is my son. And that's exactly what Satan wants to put to the fire. Let's see if you really. Jesus is hungry and Satan says, well, why don't you turn these rocks to bread? Uh, He shows Jesus a vast landscape and he says, all this could be yours. And then he takes Jesus to the high point of the temple and says, why don't you go ahead and jump off? And then you remember what Satan says to him. Ah, clever. Satan tempts Jesus with a psalm by quoting scripture to Jesus. Satan tempts Jesus with not just any psalm, but Psalm 91. Did you pick up those verses? Verse 11 and 12, look what they say. Satan says, hey, if you jump off this thing, you don't have to worry for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Satan suggests, since God loves you and you are his son, surely he would never let anything bad happen to you. He would never allow you to suffer or die, would he? This is why this psalm is deep waters because if Satan can use Psalm 91 to tempt Jesus and test Jesus, guess what? He can use this same psalm to tempt and test You see, as Christians, um, we have to enter, and I, I know this is deep water, so stay with me. Uh, as Christians, we we face a suffering and pain paradox. Let me a perfect example of this is is Luke chapter twenty one verses sixteen through eighteen. Look what it says. He says, "Even those closest to you, your parents, your brothers, relatives, and friends, will betray you." He said. They will even so. Uh, they will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers, right? And then look what that next line says. But not on, a, not a hair on your head will perish. Does that seem like two ends of a like, like? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You you said my my family and my friends, like those who are closest to me and that I'm closest to, might might betray me, and and that that everyone is going to hate me, and, and some of us might even die, but how are you going to say, oh, well, not a hair on your head will perish? So as Christians, we have this kind of, of, of suffering uh, and pain paradox. Like, like, which is it? it am I going to be rescued, or am I going to be hated? You know what the answer is? Yes. <laughs> From, from Job to Jesus, Christians have struggled with this issue of suffering. And so I want to take a, uh, there, there are two paths with this psalm. There's an easy road and a hard road. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the hard road, if that's okay. Uh, if you want the easy road, come to my office later. We'll have a cup of tea and I'll put my arm around you and that kind of stuff. That'll be fine. But if we're going to go down the hard road of Psalm 91, then, then I really need to change my voice. All right. So I am uh, over the, the next part of this this sermon teaching time. I'm no longer going to be your loving, caring, uh, touchy-feely, huggy, compassionate pastor. <laughs> I don't live up to that anyway. <laughs> All right. So there there's a the compassionate, gentle pastor voice, right? And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take that off for a minute and set that over here. Remember, that's still here, and I still love you. But, but if you'll permit me for a few minutes, I want to put on a different voice. I'm going to put on a different hat. I want to put on the coach voice. You guys have a coach? Um, my, the best coaches in my life I loved and hated, right? Right? Uh, a coach voice is, is a completely different voice. And, and I want to speak to you um, with a coach voice. And the first thing I would say to you as uh, Christians, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, with my coach voice is suck it up, buttercup. Seriously. Seriously. If you entered this Christian life for your own safety or comfort, you have another thing coming. I sound just like Joel Osteen, don't I? Um, Sorry, side note, side note. Um, Think about that test of Jesus again. In the wilderness with Satan. Satan is quoting Psalm 91 to him, said, man, God will rescue you all the time. You're, everything that, all of God's promises are going to come true for you. You don't have to worry about a thing. Do you remember how Jesus passes that test? Jesus passes Satan's test not by looking out for his own interest. Do you see that? Jesus could have called the angels. He could have never, you know, he he could have never uh, had a paper clip or, or a paper cut his whole life if he wanted. He could have been completely isolated from pain and suffering and all those things. He could have looked out after his own interest, his own comfort from day one. But Jesus passes his test as a son of God, not by pursuing his own interest, but by being obedient to God and his will even if it meant suffering. Are you with me? God's own son on the way to die the most painful, suffering death that we could possibly imagine. Do you remember what he prays? He says, I I see what's coming, God, and if you could take this cup from me, I'll let you. But not my will, but yours be done. In the coach voice, I would ask you, um, "Who are you playing for?" Are you playing for the for the name on the front of the jersey? Or are you playing for the name on the back of the jersey? <laughs> I think Christians, we need to ask ourselves that question. Are are, are we in this thing for our own self-advantage? Is that why you gave your life to Christ? So that everything for you would be smooth and easy. Are you in this thing to make your name great, or are you in this thing to make his name great? Does God exist to serve us, or do we exist to serve Him? At the heart of Christianity is being totally devoted to God, being all in following Jesus' own example, we show we are sons and daughters of God, not by invoking God's goodness for our personal benefit, but by being obedient to his perfect will despite our comfort or benefit. I tell people all the time uh, that, uh, uh, I told this to our our Ecuador team this past summer, that uh, we took a team and they served in Ecuador and there's lots of things when we go out the front doors of our house that are very unsafe. And I told our team, I said, safety is always our number two priority. And it comes right behind being exactly who God called us to be. I want you to be safe, but mostly I want you to be obedient to God. And sometimes that means going to unsafe places. Our personal safety and security and comfort comes second to God's purpose and will. This is one of the reasons I know Christianity is real. Think about it. This is, this is one of the reasons I believe in Jesus. If, if Jesus got up and, and would have told everybody, hey, if you follow me, life will be easy and you'll never have a worry and you'll never have a care, people would sign up in droves and I would know it was not real and said Jesus says this thing is going to be tough. And because it's partly because it's difficult, I know that it's true. But well, maybe you're you're asking yourself is Christianity real? I don't know what I believe. Look for yourself. It's a tough road. Part of the reason I'm a Christian is, and part of the reason I know this is real is uh, because Christians don't run from trouble, we run to it. Have you seen this happen? I don't see atheists lining up to run to trouble. But Christians do. Some of the greatest men and women of faith you know ran into trouble. They ran into pain and suffering and death. They didn't run from it. Think about, uh, uh, I thought about Dietrich Bonhoeffer who went back to Germany even though he knew it would mean his death. Mother Teresa who on the streets of Calcutta ministered to the sick and the diseased and the dying and faced unimaginable like difficulties. Uh, uh, Nate Saint is another guy who traveled to Ecuador and he, he, mart- he was martyred because he refused to use his gun and protect himself against the people he was trying to share the gospel with. I have a friend who was on a mission trip recently to Africa and he got TB. He knew the risks. And it's something he'll likely have and deal with the rest of his life. But you know what? Safety was his number two priority. some of the most heroic moments of faith I have ever seen in my whole life happened when somebody was in a hospital bed. Times of difficulty and pain are times when our faith shines the brightest. Are you with me? I read a quote this week that... Uh, uh, that, that I think fits this, especially as unbelievers look at Christians and see Christians. The, the quote simply said, unbelievers don't read the Bible, they read us. And every Christian, every believer, everyone who is devoting your life to Christ, we have a choice. We can choose safety or we can choose faith and you can't have both. We all must make a choice. So let's come back to Psalm 91. I'm going to take the coach hat off. You can quit hating me now. <laughs> I'll try to put the pastor hat back might, I might slip back. I'm going to try to put the pastor hat back on. Come back to Psalm 91. So what do we do with a psalm like this? What do we do with, with Psalm 91? Is uh, and, I, and I think there's, there's a healthy question, and I'm going to ask it. Is the purpose of Psalm 91 to be a lucky charm? Is the purpose of Psalm 91 to be, be an amulet, a four-leaf clover, a lucky rabbit's foot? Some, uh, is, is the purpose of Psalm 91 to, to somehow prevent bad things from happening to good people? Or is the purpose of Psalm 91 to remind us to take heart? to have courage when bad things happen. If you've got your, got your bulletin, man, I, I encourage you, pull those things out. Maybe you've got a, a pen or something to draw with. You can even draw on your phones if you need to. I'm gonna encourage you to do something. I'm, I'm gonna encourage you to draw an anchor. You guys know what an anchor is? I think we need an anchor. Talked about how our culture is, we, we, we seem inundated with fear and anxiety right now. Like, like okay, maybe we're anchored to the wrong stuff. We need a new anchor. So I invite you, just, just take a moment, if, if you're comfortable, some of us draw and, and sketch things and think better that way. That's, that's, if that's you, this is, this is your space. because I think part of the purpose of of Psalm 91 is to give us a new anchor. Not to to remove all the bad things from our life, but to remind us, to anchor us, to, to encourage us to take heart in the midst of the most difficult moments of life. I think Psalm 91 is something for us to, it doesn't help us avoid the storm, but it holds us anchored in the midst of it. Are you with me? I feel like I need an amen to hear like, are you with me? So what you just drew right there is your personal anxiety anchor, right? How many of you need an anxiety anchor? I've told you before, I think uh, Paul must have been, as he wrote Romans, must have been meditating on the Psalms. But Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 37, I want to give you this as you think about your anchor. Maybe you can write these, write that verse on, on your anchor. Paul says this, he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Even as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who, what are those last two words? Loved us." If you look at the very end of Psalm 91, go ahead and put those last few verses up there. It's like, it's like the Lord breaks in. So, so the, the, the first 13 verses, the psalmist is speaking. And it, this, is, this is an interesting moment in the psalms because the psalms are written in praise to God, and prayers to God, up to God. But in this moment, the Lord God breaks in and says, I have something to say. That's what it says. And read these words. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I think that may be important. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. The Lord says seven promises right here. I will rescue and protect and answer and be with. I will honor. I will reward. I'll, I'll even give you salvation for those who uh, who it says love me. I might I might just add um, add above that I wouldn't change it. Just add. I will rescue those who obey. So I want to wrap things up, but and and I, I want to try to have a, I want to give you an invitation and a declaration as we as we wrap up. But but I feel like I need to take a moment and pause. Um, I know some of you are in the midst of the storm right now. Some of you are facing pain and struggle. Some of you right now, even in this space, are, are feeling like, "Man, God, I've been praying and God's not answering. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I've been trapped. I've been abandoned. I'm facing, uh, I'm facing unimaginable stuff." And and if that's you, I know what I said didn't maybe did not come as as the most comforting thing ever. <laughs> and so I want to make sure and say and, and and not belittle what you're feeling at all. I don't want to belittle what you're experiencing. Um, I, I I know even I, I poke fun a little bit at anxiety, but I know that's a real thing. I know it's a real thing. So so I want to I want to recognize those things. Um, I know that some of you are in the midst of real storms. Um, I I think if anything, in the midst of the storm, I want to invite you and encourage you to choose faith over fear. I'd love to tell you that I've always done it perfectly. But I haven't. In verse 9 it says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, I, I slightly amended this, are added to it. If you go ahead and show that next slide. To say, please make the Lord your refuge. Please make the Most High your shelter. Um, some of you need to call U-Haul. <laughs> Here, I'll show you a picture. You know what this is? Some of you need to call them figuratively, because it's time for you to move. You need a change of address. You've been living in fear and worry and doubt and anxiety, and it's time to move. Remember what verse 9 says. Please make the Lord your refuge. Please make the Most High your shelter. The, it's time to move into the shelter of the Most High. It's time to move to the refuge, the the Lord Almighty. It's time to make your home in God again. And so if you're willing, I'm gonna give you um, this declaration in just a minute, we're going to have a, enter into a time of communion. It's, it's sacred space for us. It's part of our tradition, but we think this is a really important place. And so if there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, I'm going to move to the back. Maybe some of our leaders will be around. We'll be happy to do that. Maybe you're, you're ready to give your life to Christ in baptism. Man, this, this is a great place to make that confession. And we have a baptistry in everything we need. If you're ready to anchor yourself in the home of God, then, then this is a perfect space. Don't let these words just, just be something that you hear and they, it goes in one ear and out the other. But this is, this is a time of dedicated reflection on purpose. And so around the room, we have the tables with the elements of communion, uh, the bread, uh, which represents the body of Jesus, and the cup, which represents his blood poured out for us. Like if there is any anchor for us, it is this the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And as you take it, man, maybe I encourage you to anchor yourself in him again and make this declaration. Look what the psalmist says in verse two. He says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. I think the psalmist declares this and so must we in the face of pain, in the face of difficulty, in the face of suffering, are you ready to say today, now, in this moment, he alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Are you ready to live it, ready to live in the house of God? Again, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for for your word and the, and the power of, of this Psalm. God, I know my words can't do it justice, and so I ask that your spirit would move and do its work. Penetrate the parts of us, Father God, that uh, we've we've tried to protect or hold on to or cling to. And, and Father God, maybe some of us have been, been living in this place of fear, or anxiety, or worry. Father God, let us move into this place of deep trust of you. just Despite the circumstances around us, Father, give us the kind of peace that passes understanding. The, the kind of peace that can come only from you Father God let us move into your house let us dwell with you again and in so doing Father God let your name be made great may your renown be known throughout the world may men and women that that are, are struggling to know you see in us not not perfection but obedience and love, Father God. For those who are suffering this morning, I ask a special comfort for those in suffering. These are these are can be hard and difficult words, and that's not who we are as a church. So, if we can, Father God, and maybe you can use some of us, let us let us be that voice of courage. Let us be that that person of encouragement. Let us be. Uh, your hands and feet to each other this morning. Father God, this is only possible because of your son, Jesus Christ. The death he died so that we might live. We remember you and we remember him in this space. We love you, Father, and in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. Invite you to enjoy a time of communion together.